Hello, hello, hello. How are you? How you doing? How's it going? I am Dr. Vivid, welcoming you back to another episode of Vividly Speaking with who else but me, <laughs> Dr. Vivid. I missed you so much. Did you miss me? Don't answer. Don't answer. Leave me in suspense. But anyway, <laughs> I'm so excited to be here with you in our spot once again, so let's not delay any longer. Let's get right into the episode. Let's go. So, you guys. Woo child. Woo chile. There have been so many things occurring for me in the last two weeks. It has been a stress cupcake. You know, like stress is the little decorative cupcake holder. And then you add more stress, which is the actual cupcake. And then the weeks and the days progressed. And there was like, let's add some stress icing and some stress sprinkles and a little stress drizzle. So it's stress, but make it cute. Make it delicious. (laughs) Make it consumable stress. (laughs) But I am here with you. It is real for me to talk about the stressors that I encounter because this whole podcast is centered around mental health and really understanding your limits, your stressors, your triggers, the way you interact with other people, the way you interact and the way you engage with yourself, your thoughts, your feelings, your behaviors. So I I gotta be real with you guys because that's the only way I know how to be. You can ask my mama, she'll back it up. But I've been um, preparing for this big project and it has been crazy. Um, You guys will get to see and hear what it is very, very soon. (laughs) Teaser, teaser, teaser. But also, um, you know, I've been talking about I'm dealing with grief and loss in my family and I have been um, cycling through my own uh, grief cycle And it has been interesting to say the least, um, especially as a clinician, because I have been dealing with a lot of clients who are struggling with grief and loss. So it has been a doozy and also um, creating time to take space for myself uh, with my family because it's important, you know, I'm not holding space as a therapist for my family. I'm holding space as a daughter, as a niece, as a cousin. And we lay my cousin to rest this weekend. And I've been running around trying to um, get things right because the family is going to have set colors we're wearing at her um, celebration of life, her home going. You know, I don't, I, I know the word funeral is the word to use, but I so much rather celebration of life. So we are going to be, I had to get, coordinate these outfits and get things for the girls to wear, to coordinate and, um, It's going to be a beautiful celebration and a send-off, but it comes with its stressors. And um, 
just, you know, learning more about her last days and how my family is processing. It's a been a stress cupcake, but we getting, we getting there. We're getting there. And thank you guys for all your thoughts, your prayers, your well wishes, your condolences. They continue to come in on every form of social media. I really appreciate that. You know, I can't wait to, um, bring her beautiful picture and obituary home. And after the funeral, I will be placing her on my altar because she is now sitting with the ancestors. She is going to be, I'm, I'm trying to tell you, first of all, she's going to be one of the sweetest ancestors we ever did have. You know, I can't, you know, like sometimes I'm going to speak for myself, you know, as, as a black uh, person who practices c- c- spirituality to a different, to a different taste. Um, <laughs> some of the people in my life, you know, but it's so funny because sometimes we'll be like, yeah, I'm gonna go to my ancestors about you and something to happen and shake somebody's life up. And you're like, yeah, my ancestors came over and flipped the table. My cousin going to be like, Hey, I, I'm Ashley's ancestor. I hate to mildly inconvenience you today, but oops, would it turn your gaslight on? Like she's not going to flip the table. She just going to give you minor inconveniences for the sake of her family. <laughs> she's going to move the remote. She's going to, um, make you forget that you didn't turn on the coffee pot. Now you got, you know, cold water. And no brew. She's going to um, do things like take all your earring backs. She's going <laughs> to. You want the malicious stuff? Holla at my aunt, my uh, my great great aunties <laughs> and my grandpappies. But for the cold, the sweetest I ever did see. Um, and I am grateful for the time that I had with her on this this crazy crazy earth. But out, out, out of that, out of that, out of that, you guys, I'm tired of winter. And I know in my big old age of 34 that winter comes every single year. You know, the problem with being a DC girl and encountering winter, you don't know which winter you're going to get. DC's winters are very unpredictable. Is it snow? Is it snow? Is it snow? Is it freezing? Are you wearing Crocs and thin culottes? <laughs> Who wears culottes? Are you wearing a hoodie in February? Are you in gloves? You Are you in boots? What are we doing? What are we doing? So I, I'm tired of being freezing, 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 and then having these spots where it's like, oh my God, it's in the 60s. No, give me consistency. Your girl is tired. I'm tired. Could someone come and give me some warmth? I just need 10 to 15 degrees higher than what it's been consistently for the last couple of weeks. And yes, all of you guys listening to me in like um, Canada and I have a lot of listeners in like upstate New York and Chi-Town. I don't care about you judging me. I don't. Was I born in December? Yes. Did I ask to be born in December? No. No. I have a unresolved plaint complaint with mom HR about that. I could have been born in June or July, but no, no, I have to <laughs> deal with a winter birthday um, in, a, in a season that kind of irritates me every year. 
Um, <laughs> don't mind me. I got a case of the giggles because I took a great nap. And now I have so much energy to do nothing. To do nothing. Um, but sit here and edit and do administrative tasks. So really something but nothing. But I'm also filled with the giggles because I am just so blessed to have another moment here with you guys. It really warms my soul to be here. But that's enough. That's enough. I've been too sentimental. Um, I think we need to get into the episode. Let's go. What's happening? What goes on here? Y'all, y'all, I'm just trying to find <sighs> the words. The world is a crazy place, but you know I like to scroll on Beyonce's internet. Shout out to Riri. Shout out to Riri is your internet. Hey, congratulations on your baby. Okay, snap back into why I'm upset. I'm scrolling on Rihanna on Robin Fenty's internet and for once I am not shook by the fact that it's happening in my country but I am shook by the headline to say the least and the accompanying video who child a woman in Uzbekistan picked up her three-year-old toddler while at the zoo and threw that baby into the bear enclosure. What the hell is going on? Listen, listen. Luckily, they were able to um, distract the bear, get the bear away from the baby who did, you know, uh, Unfortunately, uh, they she had they had some injuries, but they're alive. That's the thing. I'm so glad this baby is alive. Could you imagine being at the zoo with your mommy for a day at the zoo? Yay! And your mom picking you up without warning and tossing you in to an enclosure where you tumble, you hit yourself, you hurt yourself, and you look up and the first thing greeting you is a bear, a literal machine of forest related terror <laughs> in your face. Y'all, I've seen so many, especially during this time that we've been in the Panini, Panera, Podiatry, period, Panorama, Pandemic, season three episode two there have been a lot of stressors that parents have been enduring so what we've seen upticks in um child abuse we've seen upticks in we've been dealing with you know increase increases in cases of child neglect um and a lot of parents are just stressed out because the past you know few years really guys 2020 21 now 2022 season three of the pandemic episode two um they're realizing that 
they don't have the bandwidth and they're stressed out. So let's check in with our parents. But watching the video, one thing I could think of, again, DC girl, Willie Park. That's where our zoo is, right? National Zoo. Smithsonian, the National Zoo, right? All I could think of is the many times that I go to the zoo and I see parents putting their kids like on top of the walls, on top of the, like really, really close up to fences or like sitting them on the rail. And there's signs everywhere. Like, don't do that. Shouldn't do that. Don't do that. Like, it's a huge ass animal on the other side of that. And you just want to put Timothy up there like that. You're just going to put little Tim Tim up there like that. That's not safe. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's all I could think of after, you know, I was like, whew, the baby's okay. The baby lived. And I immediately went, so what's happening? What goes on here? Why y'all who don't have the intent to hurt y'all kids, why do you want to get your kids so close to a wild animal for a photo op? Stop it. Stop it. We don't want your kids to be used as a goddamn volleyball in the leopard enclosure. Stop it. Because they need to charge y'all too. That is child endangerment. Stop doing that. So when the weather breaks and I see you at the, the zoo this spring, you can see me with my kids. First of all, still keep your distance. I don't care what we doing. Keep your distance. But if I'm staring at you, just go ahead and put that baby back on his feet on the ground. Just, just... Just go ahead, all right? And there won't be any problems. <laughs> What's happening? What goes on here? Guys, it's Black History Month. Now, I am unapologetically black every damn day of my little life. But when February rolls around, baby, we kick it in the high gear, baby. Extra razzle dazzle, extra sauce, amp it up. And anybody who identifies as a black, indigenous, a person of color who Gets a celebrated Heritage Month. Amp that shit up, baby. Rev, rev. Scoo, scoo. Let's do it. Throw some glitter on it. Because most of our lives, we have been told that we're not as great, we're not as special. So, <laughs> we got a chance to show off. Let's go off then, bruh, sis, folk. Let's do it. With that being said, this episode... Even though I believe that there are some portions of this main topic that are universally applicable, you can think about them. But I want to reflect on a certain part of my blackness that sometimes we don't have the right discussions about. And I want to talk about queer identity in the black experience. All right. So Dr. Vivid identifies as a black cisgendered woman. I also identify as a pansexual woman. For most of my life, I um, identified as bisexual, meaning that I was attracted to um, men and women. But as my perspective about identity and representation and just general attractiveness um, has expanded, I realized that it's more than that. And also... I identify as a polyamorous person. I, um, monogamy is great for those who wish to be monogamous, but <laughs> for Dr. Vivid, I practice ethical polyamory, ethical non-monogamy, meaning 
you know, getting into consensual relationships and dynamics where people know that I am connecting with other people, whether that be us connecting and being in a relationship together or us pursuing relationships outside of the relationship that we have. And I've been noticing that when it comes to the queer space and the black space where we intersect, where we meet, this is becoming more of a conversation. Um, In the black community, being queer, whether you're um, lesbian, gay, bisexual, definitely if you identify as trans, it has been seen as problematic um, from the black church um, and their stances, their views. Um, and people say, of course, church in general, Dr. Ashley, but it's something about the black church and how they, <laughs> baby, they will give you a plate full of uh-uh and shame, shame, shame. Um, so, and also the fear, the fear of it all. Um, one of my earliest memories in childhood, um, was being, I used to be afraid of, um, black gay men because I watched, I don't know if I want to say the officer's name that went on to be a police chief, um, beat to beat one of my mother's friends who was a black gay man. And I watched other officers, um, taunt him, berate him, call him horrible things, put his face in bleach. So, That was one of my first experiences with people being hurt, literally assaulted because of their queer identity. And it took me, um, I've worked through that fear, of course. Uh, My mother works in the beauty and cosmetology industry. And baby, you want to talk about queer celebration, it's there. So I was able to work through my feelings and process them. And luckily I had a mother who understood how the experience impacted me. But I also had a mother who was very, is still very open about how people connect with each other. And she stressed this idea that we don't love people. My mom instilled in us that we don't love people for what they are, but who they are, how they make us feel, how they treat us. So I've always looked at other people knowing that I don't have to fit into a box when it comes to relationships and who I love and how I love. But I am completely aware that that is not every little black girl boy folks story um my mother is i hate to say it you know one of the outliers in you know queer parent stories where she when i came out to her as bisexual it was very much girl i already knew okay whatever and then in my 30s having conversations with her about my pansexuality because i realized that you know expansion evolved I I I, it's it's more than this and she's like oh you're so free and I admire that about you and I'm like wow well I know other friends whose stories are filled with 
well, my family's in the church, so I can't be who I want to be, or I got put out my house, and I my family doesn't speak to me. People fight me when I try to go around my family or go in my neighborhood, and I'm blessed that my story isn't full of that. Now, that's not to say that I don't have homophobic people in my family. I definitely have homophobic family members and people who say weird stuff, but I also have, I am my mother's child, so I'm going to check you, and I am my mother's child, so she's going to protect me fiercely, and I'm blessed. And I will also protect my friends and my family members who are queer identifying like nobody's business. And a lot of people don't understand the impact that being black and queer has on your mental health because you already struggle with society accepting you for who you are as a black person and then you know trying to meet these societal expectations and shatter stereotypes and then there's this other part of you culturally and the people who look like you chastise you ostracize you and it hurts and we have these high levels of depression and anxiety and PTSD and uh, suicidal ideation in the amongst the queer black community because we're told we don't belong pray it away you don't belong go to a conversion camp you don't belong don't bring that gay shit over here you don't belong it's just a phase you don't belong who told you that you don't belong you know all these messages that make you feel like who you are and how you present is weird and especially when we talk about those who are gender fluid non-binary and trans oh my gosh the rate of violence uh, when it comes to black trans individuals is is heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking due to people not being accepting and not willing to let people live their lives the way that makes them feel free. It's not bothering you. But in our community, there's been this message that being queer is an agenda and that agenda is supposed to break up the black family. And that's not true. White supremacy has broken the black family through so many different means. The, you know, the school to prison pipeline and uh, the war on drugs and rules that apply to one group but not the other. The idea that most of our aunties and uncles had to leave their families to go work in other states and other places in order to make money and then send it back to a family. So the family wasn't, you know, broken because of queerdom because it's queerdom has existed forever. But we fear and we chastise and we boo what we don't understand and we don't want to accept because it's different. And it's an impact. There's a definite impact on our mental health. I was very, I'm already, I already have anxiety disorder. I'm already major depressive. I have PTSD. But I remember having to say the words that I'm a queer therapist in a place amongst black peers 
or around people that are connected to me and uh, in my spiritual community, uh, my church community and feeling hot. Like this is going to go terribly wrong. Like I'm going to lose connections because the person that I am is Dr. Ashley and Dr. Vivid is accepted. But the person that I am is a queer black woman. Oh, they could never. And it's a, it's a it's a difficult place. And then you throw in the fact that I identify as Polly, <laughs> which in the last like three or four years, I've been seeing more black folk come into the poly life and say, hey, monogamy's not for me. Monogamy's not for me. I tried it. Um, and it, it I, based on the way I connect to people, it's I need more and it's okay. But also that, you know, people uh, add that to the, you know, the agenda. People love screaming agenda when they don't like something. And they're like, oh, this again, this is to break a family. There's so many types of families. The black family can be constructed in so many different ways that can be positive and beautiful and healthy. But we've been told by other weak archaic patriarchal structures that if we don't strive to look like one thing is wrong and I'm here to say forget all that love who you want to love the way you want to love consensually authentically ethically let's have more conversations about black queerdom and mental health let's have more conversations about polyamory let's have more conversations about gender fluidity and non-binary folk let's have more conversations about protecting our trans folk let's have more conversations about if you took more time to be a person who walked in love and positivity and less time to spew hate you'd be less stressed out And to all those who aren't ready to stand in the sunlight in their queerdom and let everyone see who they are, take your time and do it right. But when you're ready, Dr. Vivid and the rest of the community is here for you. And for those who have struggled, guess what? Dr. Vivid and the community, we're here for you. And yes, inside the community, like most culture you know, in most groups, we got some work to do in a lot of our spaces, but we are here for you. Remember, I always tell you there's a blood family and there's a blessed family. So to all my black queer folks, welcome to my blessed family. All right, guys, let's get to the rest of the episode. We're going to talk about poly lifestyle in another episode too. Don't, don't you worry. <laughs> It's time for whale mail, whale, whale, whale mail, yeah. (laughs) Yo, one of these days, a jingle is going to stick. My little song is going to stick. But it is time for whale mail. This is the part of the episode where I read your submissions to me. 
from these social media and inbox streets. And remember, you can submit your well mail to me via email at contact at drvivid.com, D-O-C-T-O-R-V-I-V-I-D-V-I-V-I-D.com. I am funny. You can also submit it via TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. And I love the questions that you guys send for me. They are like, I love your vulnerability and I never get enough of it. So today I want to take you to one of my favorite place, you know, the TikTok streets. So I um, was talking to um, a few folk on TikTok and Instagram and someone um, was talking about, you know, diagnosis and how they feel that they've been going to therapy and going to psychiatrists for some time, but feel that the diagnosis that they've been given isn't their true diagnosis. So people were saying, Dr. Vivid, how do you feel well, multiple people ask me this for um, well mail. How do you feel about self-diagnosis? And I'm going to give y'all the real of it. To say that I don't understand self-diagnosis, and when we say self-diagnosis, that means someone has taken the time to figure out through their own um research and I use that word loosely meaning like looking into uh different diagnoses looking into symptoms maybe reading articles reading books talking to people that have similar symptoms maybe talking to a psychologist or a therapist or two to try to get clarity um, or try to get more information about a certain diagnosis without going to see those uh clinicians those uh, providers themselves so they may say hey this person said that this uh, these are the symptoms associated with this diagnosis. Okay, so they're doing their own self-guided research in order to figure out what's going on with them. To say that I don't understand self-diagnosis would be elitist because not everybody has access to psychiatrists, licensed professional counselors, licensed social workers, you know, psychologists, everybody doesn't have access to mental health providers. Everybody doesn't have insurance. Everybody doesn't have the money to pay for evaluations and assessments. And also, just like everybody doesn't have the money to go to a primary care physician. And that's a reality. That's a reality. So with any diagnosis, whether it be mental health related or, you know, physiologically related, I understand self-diagnoses. It's out of necessity and sometimes desperation. I'm desperately trying to figure out what's going on with me without the help that I need because it's outside of my financial scope right now. Or um, depending on what areas you live in, you may not have providers available to you. Let's be honest. Or providers who look like you or understand you culturally so you may have put off going to these providers so again I understand it what I say to people is once you self-diagnose 
technically, literally, <laughs> you're doing this to get more information about what's going on with you. Can you, without training and without proper guidance um, and certain education and information, diagnose accurately? No. That's what I go to school for. That's what people like myself go to school for and train and get education in. But you can, you know, figure out, okay, it's in this wheelhouse or this is what it sounds like. So instead of saying self-diagnose, I say go on self-discovery to find clarity, you know, because if we want to get technical about training, you need a little bit more than reading some articles to figure things out. And also what I say about self-diagnosis is you can start with your self-discovery process, but understand that there are so many diagnoses that have overlapping symptoms or that look alike. So you would need those extra eyes, that person that has that clinical expertise to help you properly assess and properly pinpoint what is really going on with you. Now, you can feel like I have this. You can say, you know what? I've been thinking about this for the last two years. I've been reading up on this. I've been reading articles. I've been talking to folk. And I really feel like I have bipolar too. And you can go with this information and talk to someone and say, hey, this is what I feel based on um, my mood, my symptoms, and how I've been living for this this duration of time. And this is what I believe is going on with me. And that clinician's job is to help you figure it out. And you may be right on the money. You may be right on the money, but there are some chances that you could be seeing it wrong because borderline personality disorder and bipolar disorder share similar symptoms. And then what you think is a manic episode may not be a manic episode or a hypomanic episode. That could be anxiety. And then, so you know what I'm saying? It goes on and on and on. A lot of people may, I, I know a lot of people who thought they had autism and the diagnosis was really accurately ADHD or sensory processing disorder. Or they may have two of those things and rule out another. You can start the self-discovery process. Where do you go after that? Now, if it's a money thing, I always talk to you guys about pro bono options. There are clinicians out here who are working for free. There are clinics and community um, centers and foundations who offer low or no cost mental health services. I offer pro bono services when I have the space. Um, I know other clinicians who do sliding fee scales to get you what you need because then it's about treatment. And there are certain things that you can treat via, you know, different behavioral or cognitive behavioral or, you know, techniques or different interventions that you could read up and learn. And there are certain things that you can't. You can't because there's a different level of expertise and processing needed for that intervention. And also some things require medication as well. So do I understand people's quest to self-diagnose? Absolutely. 
as some as a woman who's dealt with chronic pain for years and had a slew of diagnoses thrown at her and was researching nonstop for her own self-discovery for six years, I understand. But I also knew that I needed to go to specialists to help me rule out some things and figure out what was really the the cause or what was really going on because it was beyond me and I was desperate for help so I brought what I had gathered from the evidence that I had been tracking with myself and things that I had read and conversations that I had with other people and then I said okay let's put it all together based on your assessments your workups your MRIs your labs what do you see and that's how I got a few of my, you know, uh, somatic diagnoses. So yes, go on journeys of self-discovery, but know how to say, you know what, I need an expert's opinion, an expert's help. And it doesn't mean that you're incompetent. It means that, because people say, oh, well, that means you don't know. You don't have a certain skill set. Doesn't mean you don't, you're, you're, when it comes to you, you're not a good expert on you. But when it comes to diagnoses, you need another expert that doesn't have the bias that you have. So go on self discovery and clarity journeys, but know when to tag us in because we're here for you. Okay? All right, let's get to the rest of the episode. All right, all right, all right. It's time to take a beat. This is the part of the episode where I talk to you about what I've been listening to, what's been on my heart, spirit, what's been making me feel good, making me reflect, what's on my playlist. And y'all, transparency. I am dealing with grief so I've been needing to hear a lot of uplifting things but I have also been letting my spirit just take me wherever I need to go so here are the songs that I've been playing over the last two weeks as I've been processing you know the passing of my cousin and trying to help process grief and loss with my clients and also try to stay upbeat from my kids you know so i've been listening to i'm ready sam smith and demi lovato they i don't know something about this song it just ooh, like demi and sam on a track is just good stuff just good stuff baby so definitely there also <laughs> For some reason, Seven Streeter, Yearning. That that song came out in 2018, but it's still a bop. Still a bop. Tiana Taylor, um, Gonna Love Me. Um, ooh. Also, what other Tiana Taylor song? Definitely, um, I've been listening to Bear With Me a lot. Um, also, <laughs> Shoot It Up is my song lose each other lose each other is been getting me in my feels speaking of get me 
Did I sneeze on the mic? I'm so sorry. But speaking of getting me in my feels, um, I've also been listening to Kirby a lot. You know, me and the kids love us some Kirby. Um, and the song that I have played um, a lot and it's been kind of shaking me like I didn't think it would shake me. <laughs> it's called Wish I Loved. And I love hearing JoJo sing it with me in the car. But Wish I Loved has definitely been on there. Sarah Smile, Hall and Oates. You know other songs been on my spirit? Aretha Franklin. Say a little prayer for you. Yes. The morning, morning I wake up. Yes. That that song has been in my spirit. That's usually the song that I um, play on Mondays anyway while I'm cleaning and, and spiritually cleansing my house. And honey, what's been getting me together? My testimony let go by Kalante Gavin from the Terrell Show One Million Show. Honey, whoo, whoo, taking me in, taking me out making me cry making me shout honey but what have you been listening to what has been on repeat let me know because i want to hear it add it to my playlist All right, all right, all right. It's time to do it yourself. This is the part of the episode where I talk to you about coping strategies, tools you can use for stress relief and in your daily life. In the meantime, between time, when we talk about those therapy appointments or just because you deserve healthy strategies and interventions that you can use on a daily basis. Yes. So today I wanted to talk to you about adding positive and healthy um, things to build yourself up, to grow. You know, we talk about like goals and resolutions and all those things, but how often have you committed to trying one new thing that you think is interesting and sticking to it for a certain, you know, amount of time. So I want you guys to think about trying something new for a week at a time. And I mean it, like sticking to it. So if this is, you know what, I'm going to dance for 15 to 30 minutes a day. I want you to do that every day for a week and then record how you feel. And think about how easy or difficult it was for you to keep it up. And then I want you to keep doing it for as long as you can. And then we're going to add something else. Every week, I want you to do something for you. And it doesn't have to be as big as adding an exercise routine. You know, I don't want you to be out here like, Dr. Vivian, how much time you think we got? How much time you think we got, girl? <laughs> but it's something as small as I'm going to change what time I go to sleep. I am going to watch episodes of this 
series because I feel like that brings me joy instead of scrolling on the internet or scrolling social media and, you know, having very negative reactions to what I'm seeing. You know, I want to purposely inject joy into my routine. And if you're like, I don't know if I can try something new every week. Okay, let's try something new every month. So either you're trying 12 new things or you're trying 52 new things. But I think either way, it's good, you know. And if you can't do every week, don't be upset, you know. Don't be upset. We have schedules that change and life can be unpredictable. But I bet you can find something that you can inject that gives you, that makes you feel good, that brings you joy. Exercise, prayer, meditation. I'm going to do this every day for a month. I'm going to, you know, practice my affirmations in the mirror every day for a month. I'm going to practice um, yoga every day for a month. Or at least once a week for a month. I want you guys to grab something that is yours and is you focused and makes you feel good. And gives you a moment to yourself and you look forward to and that you can look back on and say, wow, I feel different or this has improved my quality of life. So grab something, 52 somethings, 12 somethings, grab them and tell me how you feel after you've completed a month of somethings. I'll be waiting to hear from you. And I'm going to be sharing my somethings on social media. So look out for that. Okay. (laughs) Let's get on with the rest of the episode. It's time for the cool down. This is the part of the episode where we focus on breathing, mindfulness, body awareness, and most importantly, you. Now, I'm going to be walking you through a mindfulness exercise, and I'll be asking you to close your eyes and find yourself some place to sit, stand, or lay that is free of distraction, and most important, safe. Now, if you can't get to that safe, distraction-free place, that's okay. This is a podcast. You can pause, stop, and come back to me when you're ready. Let's take a second to get yourself prepared for this.
Shake them. Roll your neck around, left to right, right to left. Roll our shoulders forward, forward, now back, back. Take a deep breath in, let it out. Ball our fist up tightly, 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 and release. This time we're gonna do it as we take our deep breath. So we're gonna ball our fist up tightly, take a deep breath in, tightly, tightly, tightly. Exhale and release your hands. Again, ball up our fist. Take our shoulders and move them as if we're trying to make them touch our ears. Take a deep breath in. And when we exhale, let them drop. Again, shoulders up to our ears. Inhale. Exhale. Let them drop. I'm going to say a few words and I want you to visualize first thing that comes to mind. Peace. Connection. Positivity. Take a deep breath in. Let it out. Deep breath in. Laughter, kindness, belonging, centered, honesty. Respect, serenity, truth, forgiveness, nurturing. Spirited, take a deep breath in, let it out, 
deep breath in. Let it out. Worth. Enthusiasm. Empathy. Brilliance. Our last deep breath in, let it out slowly, I want you to think about the words you heard and how you're going to grab those things you need, how you're going to Go forth in your growth journey, in your healing journey, and how you're going to focus on a positive and healthy future for you. This has been your cool down. We have made it to the end of another episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the songs are just so random. <laughs> but I wanted to thank you guys for joining me once again. Thank you for, you know, all of, again, your condolences, your well wishes, your checking in with me. Some of y'all have been checking in with me every day via social media asking me how I'm doing sending love to my family and you don't even know me personally and I love that I've connected with you in a way that you extend that love and that light to me and mine so thank you so much I I can't wait to tell you about this big damn project, guys. Hopefully next week I can say something, you know, this, you know, non-disclosures and shit. But <laughs> hopefully next week I can say something because I'm hella excited about it. And I want you to be hella excited for me. I want you to take care of yourself. Say the things that you need to say to the people that matter the most to you. Grab moments, make memories be healthy, be positive, practice using the things that serve you and shed the things that don't. And until next time, in the words of the songwriter, the poet, the orator, <laughs> do it like it's your birthday, baby. <laughs> and we out. I love you guys. See you next time. Next episode.